0: Good evening. Welcome to graduation night here at His Way. There's always a first time for something. Sometimes these firsts are not things that are noticeable to others, and other times they're worthy of our attention and have great meaning. And tonight I'd look at, like to look at some famous firsts that all have a theme together. See if you can discover what that theme is. In December of 1911, a man by the name of Roald Amundsen became the first man to reach the South Pole. In May of 1953, two men, Edmund Hillary and Tenzing Norgay reached the summit of Mount Everest, the world's highest peak. In April of 1961, a Russian cosmonaut by the name of Yuri Gagarin became the first person to journey into outer space and complete one orbit of the Earth. In July of 1969, Neil Armstrong became the first man to walk on the moon. And then in October of 1974, a man by the name of Dave Kunst became the first verified person to walk all the way around the Earth. And in April of 1969, Sir Robin Knox Johnston became the first person to sail around the world non-stop and single-handed. And then in June of 2017, Alex Honnold became the first person to scale the 3,000-foot granite wall known as El Capitan without using ropes or any other safety equipment. And today at His Way, we have our own famous first. The first man to graduate from our new nine-month program, let's give it up for Thomas McRoberts. (laughs) So did you figure out what these firsts all have in common? They all have a journey in common. And today we're going to celebrate Thomas's journey. And the truth is, is, that we are all on a journey. From the moment of our conception to our dying breath, our life is a journey. Now we had no say when this journey started. It wasn't our choice. We had no plans about our future in the early months and years after we were born. And as we grew older, we began to dream about what our life would look like. Maybe we'd be a doctor, a race car driver, a professional athlete, a teacher, maybe a fireman, or maybe a superhero. But eventually, our dreams might have changed. Sometimes something happened that completely altered the trajectory of our lives. And sometimes those things are great. And other times, those things are tragic. And we find ourselves wondering, what happened to me, all that I dreamed about, and hope for has been hijacked and obliterated. So we ask questions like, what should I do? Where do I go from here? And how can I move forward? And today we're going to look at the story of a man who was on on a journey when something completely changed the trajectory of his life. His name was Saul of Tarsus. We know him as one of the greatest of Jesus' apostles, the apostle Paul. Now Saul was born as a Jewish boy in Tarsus around 5 AD, a city in Asia Minor. His Jewish lineage was traced through the tribe of Benjamin. He had the distinction of being born actually a Roman citizen. had an outstanding education. By the time he was a young man, he earned the equivalent of two advanced degrees. He studied in Jerusalem under one of the greatest teachers of that time, a man by the name of Gamaliel. He had everything going for him. And not only that, he had joined a very influential sect during this time, a group called the Pharisees. Um, they had risen during a time, the end of the Old Testament, with the prophet Malachi and the time of Jesus, because the people had kind of lost their way. And so they came about because they wanted to help the people focus again on God's law. And they wanted to correct this drift from His law. And so they began to focus on this. They were the religious authorities of that day teaching that the way to God was through strict obedience to the law and following all of their oral traditions. They exercised great control over the population and they were opposed to opposed to anything that would cause people to break or abandon God's law. And Saul was among the most zealous members of this sect. In modern day terms, we would call him a fanatic. And so Saul soon became aware of a group called The Way. Followers of Jesus of Nazareth, the man who had been crucified by the Romans, this group was converting many Jews to Jesus and causing them to abandon the law of Moses and the oral traditions. And they proclaimed that Jesus had been crucif- who had been crucified had been raised from the dead. And Saul wanted to eradicate them. He wanted to stop them in their tracks. And his fanaticism can be seen in how he reacted. When Stephen, one of the followers of Jesus, was stoned for blasphemy, In Acts chapter 8, verse 1, it says, Saul agreed with putting him to death. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem, and all the apostles were scattered throughout the land of Judea and Samaria. And one of the primary agents of this persecution would be this young Jewish man by the name of Saul. But why? Why did Saul... Why did he feel this way? What was driving him to do this? He would later say, in telling his story in Acts chapter 26, In fact, I myself was convinced that it was necessary to do many things in opposition to the name of Jesus of Nazareth. I actually did this in Jerusalem. I locked up many saints in prison since I had received authority for, for, for that from the chief priests. And when they were put to death, I was in in agreement with them. In all the synagogues, I often punished them and tried to make them blaspheme. Since I was terribly enraged at them, I pursued them even to foreign cities. So whenever Saul, Saul saw someone who belonged to the way, someone who followed Jesus, his first instinct was to take him out. He wanted to eradicate this movement. And it's interesting that he says, I was enraged. He he just wasn't irritated by Jesus and his followers. He was enraged at everything they stood for and what it meant for what he believed. And so he decided, well, I've done my work in Jerusalem. Now it's time to take the fight to other places. And so he's on his way to Damascus to continue his persecution And on the way something unexpected happened. In Acts chapter 9, verses 1 through 5, it says that he was still breathing threats and murders against the disciples of the Lord, and he went to the high priest and requested letters from him to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if any if he found any men or women who belonged to the way, he might bring them as prisoners to Jerusalem. And as he traveled and was nearing Damascus, a light from heaven suddenly flashed around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul asked, who are you, Lord? And he replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting, but get up and stand on your feet. For I have appeared to you for this purpose to appoint you as a servant and a witness of what you have seen and will see of me. I will rescue you from your people and from the Gentiles. I am sending you to them that to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a share of, of those who are sanctified by faith in me. Think what this meant for Saul. His, his journey was set. He knew where he was headed. He was a man who was filled with purpose. He had a mission. He had power and authority. And now he just had an encounter with a man who should be dead and is speaking to him. His whole life has now been thrown into chaos. His testimony, the testimony that he had been devoted to destroying, he must now proclaim. And he asks the question, What shall I do? Lord. Jesus answers, get up and go into Damascus and there you will be told what you have been assigned to do. And it's interesting that here's a man who at one time saw everything very clearly. Everything was in sharp detail in his life. And now he can't even see and he has to be led by the hands of those men who are with him into Damascus to wait for God's instructions. And his wait will last three days. Can you imagine what those three days were like? Can you imagine everything that must have been going through his mind? You know, how could Jesus be alive? How could I have been so wrong? And what have I done? Jesus sends a disciple by the name of Ananias to him to help Saul regain his sight and to be filled with the Spirit. And when his vision comes back, he tells him what God wants him to do. He said, The God of our ancestors has appointed you to know his will, to see the righteous one, and to hear the words from his mouth, since you will be a witness for him to all people of what you have seen and heard. And now why are you delaying? Get up and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. Saul did this, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus as the Son of God. Do you see how powerful this is? There wasn't a believer on the planet that was going to turn Saul of Tarsus to follow Jesus any Christian that would have come up to talk to him, he would have thrown them in prison. But yet here's a man now who has an encounter with the resurrected Jesus and his whole life trajectory has changed. His journey is heading towards a different destination. He is a different man with a new purpose and he would eventually be called Paul. And his old life was a distant memory. It was something that no longer mattered to him. Listen to his own words as he talks about his faith. He says, but everything that was a gain to me, and this would include being a Roman citizen. This would include being of the tribe of Benjamin, being a Pharisee, having zeal for the law, being blameless by the law, his whole past, he said, I have considered to be a loss because of Christ. More than that, I consider everything to be a loss in the, in the view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Because of him, I have suffered the loss of all things and consider them as dung so that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own from the law, but one that is through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God based on faith. And my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection from among the dead. Not that I have reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I have also been taken hold by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead, I pursue the goal, the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. All that mattered to Paul was Jesus. Knowing Christ was the most valuable thing in his life. No matter what he suffered, no matter what the world threw at him, he remained steadfast in his new journey with Jesus. And because of that, at the end of his life, he was able to say, for I am already being poured out as a drink offering and the time for my departure is close. I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. There is, there, there is reserved for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on that day, and not only me, but to all who have loved his appearing." You know, the Mediterranean world was turned upside down by this man, by the ministry of this man, whose journey took a very unexpected turn. And his transformation from a raging zealot who wanted to destroy Christians, who wanted to destroy the church, who wanted to bring down the name of Jesus to a man who proclaimed Christ openly and without shame is miraculous. Nothing could have changed him except an encounter with Jesus. And maybe today some of us are followers of Christ because of the very different journey that this man took a long, long time ago. And it shows us how an encounter with Jesus can impact our lives, our families, our workplaces, and maybe even our world. And if we want to journey with Jesus, we have to follow where he leads and do things his way. He can free us from our past and lead us into a brighter future.
1: Hi, everyone. How are you doing today? Good. Uh, my name is Thomas McRoberts. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ, and I'm a recovering addict. Um, first of all, I just want to say thank you to all of his way, and Mike, and Tom, and Daryl, and Michael, and just everybody everybody here, including the residents um, that helped me through the last nine months. Um, <clears throat> my journey with drug abuse started with uh, smoking marijuana when I was probably 14 or 15. When I was 17, I started doing cocaine, and around 20, I started doing meth. By the age of 22, I was doing heroin and any other drugs I could get my hands on. Um, I really did it just to have fun in the beginning. Um, My friends were doing it, but eventually I started to experience a lot of consequences from it. I have four children, uh, two daughters up in Michigan, A daughter and a stepson that live here in Huntsville. Um, I haven't seen my two daughters in Michigan in about six years. I lost my first daughter, Serenity, after everyone found out that I got busted with heroin. I also lost my second daughter, Madison, while I was still using heroin. I'm not allowed to see either of them. So I decided to go to rehab in Michigan. It wasn't like his way, though. It was more like jail. Uh, Not very fun and nothing changed when I got out. When I got out of rehab, I got my own place and I started smoking crack. In my opinion, crack's probably the worst drug out of all the drugs. It cost me everything. In one week, I used up all my money and lost my house, so I decided to steal a car and drive to Florida. I wanted to kill myself on a beach somewhere in Florida, but my journey took me on an unexpected turn. I was stealing gas and everything I could get my hands on as I was headed towards Florida. I made it as far as Georgia. I was arrested for stealing from Walmart and caught with a stolen car. I spent nine months in the worst jail I'd ever been in in Georgia. After I got out of jail, I went to Atlanta. I didn't know anybody there and I spent three days smoking crack on the streets in the homeless shelter. Uh, I was in the homeless shelter for two weeks. I was miserable and I needed to go somewhere else. My journey then brought me here to Huntsville, not my original destination. When I arrived here about six years ago, I started out homeless, but eventually I found a place to live and I found a job. Eventually I met my wife Stacy and fell in love with her and her son. She got pregnant with her daughter Ella. We decided to get married. Life was good. There was a problem. I was still using and selling drugs. Right before we got married, I started selling meth. I was making a lot of money doing it. I used meth on our wedding day. I was on meth the day our daughter was born. I was thinking I could help Stacy with the baby by staying up all night. At times, I thought it was a good thing. Stacy could sleep, and I could take care of Ella. I didn't think things were too bad at the time until I started gambling. I lost a lot of money and ended up stealing money from my wife. She's done so much for me. She's bailed me out of jail, paid for lawyers, bought me two vehicles, and I stole from her. I was a terrible person, and I didn't treat her with love and respect she deserved. The drug started to take a toll on me. I started freaking out and thinking everybody was out to get me. I was running from shadow people. I thought animals were talking to me. It was horrible. Eventually, Stacy kicked me out of the house and divorced me. And I was back to living on the streets. My journey, however, brought me to his way. What's different here from the other rehab is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the center of the work at his way. I believed in Jesus as a child, um, but, but fell out of it. When I came here, I decided to turn it up into a higher gear. I got baptized into Christ. I decided I was going to give God a chance, and that made a difference for me. God has blessed me with a good job, with possibility for promotions. Stacy and I are back together again, and I'm working hard to do the right things to love my family and continue on the path of recovery. I hope one day to see my two daughters in Michigan. Life is good. In closing, my journey has taken me unexpected places. What I've learned along the way is that the most important thing in life is love. It is what I want to define. Is, it is what I want to. It is what I want to define my life going forward. I'd like to share two passages with you that are meaningful to me as I finish. Um, first one is John 3.16. Uh, I like this passage because it's the first passage I could ever remember, and I was kind of proud of that. I guess it's the most popular one, too. That's probably why. Uh, it says, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Uh, my second favorite passage um, is actually when I came here uh, I had my Bible that my um, friends bought me they are sitting over here. Uh, they bought me when they took me off the streets after all this happened and uh, helped me out. They bought me a Bible and in it um, my wife brought it to me here after I got out of jail and she had a passage highlighted and it was a really important passage to me because it really explains a lot. It says, love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up. Love never loses faith. Is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. That's 1 Corinthians thirteen four through 7. Thank you.
0: So the greatest journey that we could ever be on is to follow Jesus. And you might ask yourself the the same question that Saul asked at the beginning. If you're not on that journey, what shall I do, Lord? He'll take you places you've never been. He'll help you experience what it means to have an abundant life. He will show you how to truly live and not just be alive. Jesus will give you hope for a future where you will be forever free from the shackles of pain, suffering, and self-destructive behavior. There will be no more tears, no more brokenness, only love, peace, and connection with our God in His Son through His Spirit. All will be healed. It is beyond. will be beyond are imagining.